your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Okay, I don't. I'll probably not include that, but in no, case I, <laughs> in case I decide to, Andrew just laughed at the Zoom. This meeting is being recorded because just before I hit record, I said, "Let's Greg guard this shit." This oh. is Off Tackle Empire, the official podcast of the only Big Ten blog that matters, Off Tackle Empire. Uh, yeah, I don't man. know where you're getting your Big Ten news from, but uh, it's probably way more digestible in tweet form but way less substantive and uh way less midwest focused than ours so yeah yeah i don't i don't think we should really portray ourselves like so we're the portion of the news that most of the major networks play from like seven to ten that's our place in the news ecosystem i think we're we're more of a casserole we're more of a hot dish we're a deep dish pizza you're in for a long night. Minnesota week's over, man. Uh, you're, in, you're in for a long night of some very heavy action. Yeah, long and there's night, not going like, to be a lot of scoring at the end. Well, uh, but that Greg Gard thing, whether he ultimately succeeds as Wisconsin's coach or not, I, like that's who he is now, right, to you? This meeting is being recorded. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, that's... Uh, He's That's the anti-Bobby Knight. Well, not I mean, no, that, no, no. That would make him good. Um, no, no, right. no, no. We're ta- he's like he's like the, the in the reverse Bobby Knight. Wiretap Bobby Knight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Speaking of Bobby Knight, look at you with the transition. I didn't even pick up. That's what you were throwing down, but I get it now. <laughs> I actually wasn't even. I don't know how it wasn't oh, intentionally. But... You weren't even. You well, you've never been able to resist a good segue. It is Indiana week. That's, hence. Hence the the fluid and natural weaving in of Bobby Knight into our into our early show banter there. So no, I'm not just I'm not just a Segway pro. I'm basically like the founder and CEO of Segway in that I'll take a Segway all the way off a cliff to my death. <laughs> There'd be worse ways to die. Um, I wonder if I'm even going to leave that in. Anyway, certainly we're talking about Indiana. It's Indiana week. And I'm shocked at how late we're getting to record this one. Because it's after Iowa week. By far the latest we have ever had Indiana week in the long and better. It's August right now, isn't it? It's July when we're recording, but it's going to be August when this drops. Yeah, for the first time ever. I I don't know. I'd have to think. In this podcast, certainly. but Yeah, but going back even further than that, I don't think we've ever previewed Indiana later than the end of june the rivalry esquire dates back to 2008 when would we have yeah not in that time frame so um yeah all which is to say we do understand that some of their fans perhaps just our colleague candy stripes for breakfast um are still residually bummed that they couldn't take ohio state down and get their way to indianapolis and also that they did let another winnable bowl game against an sec opponent get away from them but still, man, come on. You you slew the Michigan Dragon. You beat Penn State in one of the most dramatic games of the season with one of the, with the play that's going to be – you had your little Giants play. I said this at the time, but the 
arc of Indiana's program currently reminds me so strongly of the early to mid Mark D'Antonio years at Michigan State. With I NIL, that, that's going to be a t-shirt now. What up, home field apparel? Hell yeah, I mean, it should be. Uh, I think that that two-point conversion by Penix Jr. to beat Penn State is their little Giants moment, which was the fake field goal against Notre Dame for Michigan State. Um, and speaking of, you got old Spitty back too. So that's, I mean, three of the four recent history powers in the division you have taken down. And yeah, you didn't beat Ohio State, but you nobody was going to beat Ohio State out of this conference last year. And even what. though the bucket game was scheduled and canceled twice and it wasn't played, nobody doubts that you would have blasted Purdue if the bucket had happened. So let's go ahead and give that to you too. I know right? it's not quite the same thing, but I, I might have been willing to, you know, to to say similar things to uh, a little bit dismiss some of their pain. Uh, but then last basketball season happened, specifically the ending of last basketball season. And now I understand that it's like, Yes, it's, it's historically, you know, the best that you've had in well over a decade. But it's also like, man, if you're an Indiana football fan, you might, you'd be reasonable to think we are never going to have a shot like this again, right? Because history suggests that they're few and far between. Nevertheless, history is dumb sometimes, though. And here's the thing about where Tom Allen is now. What about last year's team is going to be so difficult to repeat given the continuity he's got and the players he's got coming back. I know they have some coaching turnover again, but he's still there losing a defensive coordinator is not as much of a problem when you have a defensive minded head coach. Um, Losing a couple assistants here there. This is where you trust you. That's a good thing because it means that, your coaching staff is dynamic enough outside of the head coach that those guys are wanted. There was always a little bit of a siren going off in my head when Michigan state's assistants were not consistently poached. It was like, man, it's, it sure is good that they're so loyal and this program is just such a family and everything. Later it turned out that actually D'Antonio was just doing a lot of the work himself that assistants should do and he couldn't do it forever. And then eventually there were, it just turned out some of those guys were useless you already have proof that that's not the case here. So if anything, Indiana's a half step ahead of where my program was. Yep. And I get that you're basically, you're not back to zero, but you know, you, you, you've, you've reloaded your game from the last save and now you have to beat Penn state again because it didn't save after you beat them. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's not going to go away. And of course we're looking Michigan a little bit here because if the two teams played today, I'd favor Indiana by 10 or more. Uh, but it's true that on a talent perspective, Penn State is going to be a persistent obstacle to getting you that number one contender belt. And even if you do beat them, they're not the final boss. So there are steps left to be taken here. But last season was absolutely the kind of step forward that can define a run. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to stop making the early to mid 2010s Michigan State comparisons here until Tom Allen and Indiana give me a reason to stop making the comparisons. They're taking all the same steps. Well, because they were by far the most successful at fucking with post-Trestle Ohio State, which, of course, you know, as we've since found out, Jim Trestle was actually a restrictor plate. (laughs) As it turns out, yeah, the guy who won a national title and ran the conference for a decade was holding them back a bit. Yes, he was. Uh, (laughs) But But Penn State managed to... 
to 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 jam their shit up for one season. But Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio was the most consistent, well, the the most prolific, uh, the most pro- prolific tripper up of Ohio State on their way to the title game. Yeah, and so I, there's optimism here in that there is still some ceiling left that Indiana hasn't hit. They have recruited well. Um, they're anchored by pretty good star power on both sides of the ball. I mean, you've got um, Penix Jr. coming back from his ACL, still has Ty Freifogel. They'll miss Wap Fillier. Uh, but on the defensive side, Micah McFadden and corner Taiwan Mullen are two of the bigger type playmakers in a versatile multiple defense like the 425 that Tom Allen runs. So they've got playmakers on just about every level. The problem, as you may have observed there, is the line play is a little bit of an issue, especially on the offensive side where I love right tackle Matthew Bedford, but aside from that, they want, they clearly want to be a run first offense, but they've been pretty inefficient there over the last few years, even with a guy like Stevie Scott, who most people know um, he's gone. Now his efficiency did leave something to be desired. They now have a deeper running back room such that I would expect them to spread the carries out. They still have Samson James, who briefly flirted with the portal, but ended up staying. They have a former five-star prospect in USC transfer, Stephen Carr, which, by the way, sidebar there, how many USC running backs end up scattered across the Big Ten? I swear, I feel like every other team we talk about has a USC running back. Well, I mean, you don't even have to say running back. Uh, Illinois had three USC transfers a couple of years ago. Two of them were wide receivers. Yeah. It's funny how many of those guys find their way to us. Anyway. Um, it's USC, what they're basically doing is like, they're, they're doing the baseball thing where some new owner takes over a small market team and then still tries to win while shedding payroll and making it the smallest in the league. <laughs> they're trying to be the Oakland Athletics, in other words, even though they really yep. should, even though they should be the New York Yankees. But um, so anyway, you, got, you have James, you have Carr, a couple of guys who had brief but very promising big splash games last year with Tim Baldwin Jr. and David Ellis. So they've got a lot of options in the running back group. Wide receiver again, Fry Fogel's the guy everybody knows. He's the obvious number one star. Miles um, Marshall had some moments last year. They have Peyton Hendershot back at tight end and a couple of transfer receivers as well. Um, DJ Matthews out of Florida State, Cameron Buckley out of Texas AM. So even losing a few guys from that skill group, they should be really good there. The question is can the offensive line level up its play a little bit? I mentioned Bedford. Uh, they're going to be starting um, Carpenter, the transfer for Michigan, somewhere on the interior, maybe center, maybe at guard. Uh, if they can improve their offensive line play, even a step or two, that offense should really be cooking if Penix is able to come back healthy, which he ought to be able to from everything I've heard. Well, I don't want to get too far ahead of where we are in our outline, but they've got a really important test of that proof of concept sort of thing right off the bat in Iowa. If they can, if they can control the game against Iowa, then that's very optimistic for their Penn State, Ohio State games. I only, I only lump them together because any problems that they have against Penn state, they're going to have much worse against Ohio state. Um, right. And of course they're, they're, they're similar in kind, but not degree. Yeah. And it's, it's a little funny for us because we recorded our Indiana and Iowa episodes together back to back. So we just talked about this game from the Iowa perspective. Um, it's very much a litmus test game for Indiana out of the gate as well. It's a trip to Kinnick to open the season. And then a couple weeks later, you have a visit from a suddenly formidable Cincinnati, one of the better group of five teams. 
um, in the first three weeks. Now we've got a little, a little oh, bit of- my goodness. I didn't even. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Presumably when they scheduled that game, Cincinnati was kind of flailing around with Tommy Tuberville. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. And- Senator got blown out by Tim Beckman. Yeah. And they probably thought that this was going to be a near sure win. Uh, funny how things turn out sometimes. So they do have a couple of tough games right up front that should serve as, you know, let's show that this, that last season wasn't a fluke. If, if they get through those games, I think if they honestly split those games, that's probably a good sign. You'd obviously prefer to win the conference matchup. Um, it's, it's not a team that's going to run the table or go to the playoff this season anyway. So if you lose that Cincinnati game, as long as it, as long as there are no obvious glaring errors, I don't think that's a terrible problem. You'd certainly prefer to win. There are other two non-conference games unremarkable of Idaho, a trip to Western Kentucky, which I assume is part of a buy contract. And then their crossovers, of course, Purdue as always, but also a visit from Minnesota. Those are at the end of the season. So as far as buy games are concerned, you could do a lot worse than Indiana at Western Kentucky, considering how much uh, Indiana there is right down there by the border with Kentucky. Yeah, it's not much of a trip. I mean, from I don't know exactly where Western Kentucky is, but it can't be more than a two or three hour drive or so from Bloomington. It's in the west part of Kentucky. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's in Bowling Green where the Corvette factory is. Oh, yeah. So that's that's very close to the border with Indiana, then, I believe. Um, so anyway. Not to be confused have, with Bowling Green State. You, you no. <laughs> you have Iowa up front and then. Your other two cross division or division games are backed up at the end. So what that means is, as you kind of referenced, you've got your big time division games stacked up front um, all in October. After the non-conference is over, that key stretch there, October 2nd, you go to Penn State, then you get a bye, host Michigan State, host Ohio State in back-to-back weeks. I don't think Michigan State's going to be a better team than Indiana this year. I do think they're going to be better than Michigan State was last year, though. So that's not a game that you can overlook just because you have Ohio State coming up. And I think that would be a real risk if they run the if they get to five and zero hosting Michigan State. That maybe they do overlook the Spartans a little bit. Tom Allen has tended to have a steady enough hand on the wheel that you're not too concerned about that. If by some miracle they do get past Ohio State. Back end is very manageable. Um, back-to-back road trips, to be sure, Maryland and Michigan, but then versus Rutgers, versus Minnesota, at Purdue to close it out. So the schedule is a little bit front-loaded. Um, as we mentioned, Iowa and Cincinnati in the first three weeks, and then Penn State and OSU in the two out of a three-game batch there. So last five games, pretty darn manageable, especially relative to what a trip to Michigan would normally mean. So even if they do lose a couple games up front, it's still very possible for them to get to something like a 10 and two, make a new year's six type of game, have that, have that banner year. Well, basically do the Minnesota 2019 where you have that year that everybody's always going to remember, but it doesn't necessarily have everything you'd hoped for, but it still has more than you really thought was possible. Yeah. And that's look again, for most of us, for most of us pro uh, most of us proles down here living in the muck, that kind of season is really what you're going to have to sell for a lot of time. Um, the odds that you, that your planets 
the line in such a way that you can take advantage of a fluctuation in Ohio State's shields, it's going to be unlikely. So 14 years and counting, baby. <laughs> right. So, um, anyway, to back up a little bit, we did mention a couple guys on the defense. Um, McFadden and Mullen, in my mind, are the stars. They have a number of guys that they throw. I mean, again, the, the whole premise of their defense is to attack enough to throw off their opponents and basically prevent the down-to-down battles from being necessary because they would still get beaten in some in a lot of one-on-one situations, but they rely on clever and aggressive scheme to blow up enough opposing plays to make that you know a little bit less relevant. They are going to get another year from Marcelino McCrary Ball, formerly just Marcelino Ball. They have a couple of interesting and versatile pass rush options like Michael Zemba at defensive end and Cam Jones in the linebacking group. Um, they are going to be bringing in a new defensive coordinator. I think Kane Womack, or he might be the guy who is heading out. I, I forget, honestly. If I was Marcelino Ball and I was interested in hyphenating my last name, I would just search out how many people have the last name Play Haters. I'm just saying that's just me. Of course, that's that's the first time I've really been able to break out of this glaze where I've been distracted by thinking about how many senators in a potential Senate could possibly in the future have lost to Tim Beckman. (laughs) That's definitely an article, but I I need to I need to get my headspace back to Indiana right here. Yes, please, please come back to us. (laughs) So um, the defense should okay be should again be pretty good. Uh, it's unusual that we're kind of talking about the difference makers in Indiana on defense. It's not that they haven't had a difference making defense. It's just those guys are kind of going to be the standard bearers because you, you sort of, I guess they have the most upside. You kind of know what you're, that you're going to get some pretty good results from Penix to Freifogel and their running game is going to be consistent, if not overwhelming, but the, the defense seems to improve every year. And that's where, again, you know, Indiana has been shedding this reputation of the, the Kevin Wilson, Indiana, into the uh, far superior Tom Allen, Indiana, which, you know, imagine my surprise when they, 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 they did the right thing and fired a coach over abuse allegations who was immediately scooped up by Ohio State and then got better because they hired internally. But point is, this could be the year that they finally get recognized for that. Yeah, and again, I I still think I'm pulling for him to do that. It's it's a much better story to me than oh, James Franklin and Penn State beat Ohio State. They're going to be the ones who win the title. This like that. Nah, screw that. Give me Indiana. Give me a give me a conference title for Indiana if anyone's going to win it. Hey, how about uh, how about Jim Harbaugh getting his redemption this year? How about that? Hard pass. Uh, um, especially with some of the shit he said this offseason. So. No, I mean getting his redemption specifically from that. Like James Franklin got Penn State's redemption. Anyway, let's talk about something else, please. Uh, so um, I do want to, I do, I, I, before we pivot to hoops, I want to give Indiana fans this particular kernel. Okay. Uh, my, my dynasty team, my college fantasy dynasty team has Michael Penix as a potential starting option week to week because believe in that connection to Freifogel and believe in his running ability a lot, especially he's been a very smart runner down near the goal line. And like two years ago in our failed push for the title, the, uh, our guy was Jalen Hurts. So um, this league is very deep and very high stakes. I, I think you are 
I think you are seriously misapprehending what the Indiana offense is going to be and try to be. If you're going to start them in a format like that, it's going to be a spot start. Honestly, it's, it's going to mostly be just against, uh, against, I mean, it's a shame they don't have Illinois on the, on the schedule, (laughs) but, but he's a guy that we're not going to trade because he's got more value to, to, to this team than we would be able to get. I still like from a, pride standpoint i can't believe that after the number of years you've told me about this you're still not allowed to have your own team like that oh the waiting list is like i mean it's like 10 years uh so far because people have not yet i mean there 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 may be we'll see how things change in the future as people get older and get distracted and whatnot but now this is a thing where everybody's been pretty all in fuck's sake man uh Start your I, I, the, the, the amount of dude, the amount of research we've done over the offseason has been has been staggering. And again, for, for a team you don't own, it, it's a fine, it's a fantastic misdirection of resources, in my opinion. But anyway, um, let's talk. Speaking of spectacular misdirection of resources, Archie Miller was fired as the Indiana basketball coach. And we mentioned when that happened that we don't know what to make of basketball hires anymore because when they brought him in, it looked like a home run on paper, much the same way that Jim Harbaugh looked like a home run for Michigan football and Scott Scott Frost looked like a home run for Nebraska football. What didn't work there? It's difficult to say. I mean, the on-court reasons were obvious. He couldn't find anyone who could shoot. And that's a little bit of a problem in the modern game. You can't play two post players anymore uh, and, and expect to score more than 50 points a game. And so then Indiana makes a hire that I think there was an initial reaction of it being a little bit of a head scratcher They bring in Mike Woodson, who's been in the pro coaching ranks for his entire coaching career. Bullock has to be said uh, the early returns here are almost entirely promising. Okay. Because as is typical after a coach is fired, there's a rush to the portal, basically half or better of the roster intended to leave um, Woodson convinced a few of those guys to say he got Rob Finnessy to come back, Grace Thompson to come back, and critically, um, Trace Jackson Davis is back, and so is Christian Lander, the last two jewels of Archie Miller's strong recruiting. So he held on to most of the better players, frankly. Um, they did lose Jerome Hunter, kind of a, a backup depth wing. Al Durham, um, a sometimes hot but often streaky wing, is grad transferring out as well. Um, oh, and Joey Brunk transferred in conference to Ohio State, which is weird and also all the more weird because he missed all of last season with an injury. So anyway, um, they had a few losses to the portal, but I think Indiana probably ends up coming out ahead there. And this is this is the thing that's more encouraging if you're an Indiana fan than Woodson holding on to a few of the existing players is that he showed an ability despite having no experience directly with it and going, being able to go out and get guys directly himself. <coughs> and this maybe is where it should be mentioned that Indiana does have Thad Mata working in a behind the scene and a behind the scenes athletic department role with basketball specifically, but they picked up um, Xavier Johnson from Pitt as their short-term point guard. I would think um, they bring in an in-conference transfer and Miller cop kind of the combo forward from Northwestern. And they also had a seven-footer named Michael Durr from South Florida, who I had never heard of. 
They do have a couple of very talented freshmen coming in to headline their class as well. Another center and Logan Duncombe and Tamar Bates, the shooting guard who's inside the top 30 nationally coming in. So I had totally forgotten about that Miller cop transfer. I mean, that's, that's, that's still uh, incredible. I mean, if there were any Northwestern basketball fans, they, they'd probably boo him pretty lustily uh, when their game came. Well, you'd think that when the introductions are happening, they, as they peruse their whatever, um, you know, presumably a Thoreau or, or perhaps, uh, perhaps a Faulkner that they're reading. Perhaps it, even Balzac. That they, they hear the name Miller. Furrow Cop. their brow quite it rings, a bit. It rings the faintest little tinkle of a triangle in their head of, of recollection. Where do the I brow that? would be furrowed with malevolence. Where do I know that name? Um, so anyway, Indiana in this first offseason under Mike Woodson managed to hold on to most of the critical talent that Miller left behind. They brought in a bunch of new guys. Uh, and so now the question is, because they're, they're plainly going to run a similar system to what Woodson did in the NBA, which is kind of the one in, four out, lots of shooters um, sort of system that you would see in the pros. And the problem there as you mentioned, is the biggest shortcoming of the Archie Miller era was a total lack of outside shooting. Um, I don't, for example, they held on to race Thompson, but he's a guy who really did not shoot much his first couple years at Indiana. He had a little, he had something of a sample size in high school, but he's not shown any face-up ability whatsoever in college. And so how do you keep him and play him in a serious role with Trace Jackson Davis and not have the same two-post cluttered mess that was the Archie Miller offense. I don't know. Um, that's going to be a major task for Woodson and his staff to sort out. Well, that's the thing. If we're in a cooking show, okay, he's actually been given a, a decent, if incomplete, array of ingredients. The question is, how good is he as a cook in a, in a timed, televised fashion here? Because evidence suggests, I mean, dude took the New York Knicks to playoffs in 2013. Evidence right. suggests that he can put together something at least edible. Um, and you said he was a head scratcher. I mean, not even the most head scratching hire in the conference this year. No, not, not <laughs> makes a lot him. more sense in the wake of the Juwan Howard hire. Yes. And that, that I'm glad you mentioned that. That is probably the vibe that Indiana is going for here because I think a lot of athletic directors are reading the writing on the wall here between the name image likeness, between the um, liberalized transfer rules, the type of shouting coach, a la a Tom Izzo, for example. I don't think there's ever going to be a Tom Izzo type coach again who succeeds in college. Oh, shit. That's bad news for me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even think of that, but I don't think the Yelly guy is going to have much of a future. Well, to be fair, he's done a little less of that since Kipper Nichols graduated. But yeah, the thing is, it's a, you know, and of course, college athletics being the way they are, they'll, they'll stubbornly deny this. But the fact is, especially with NIL now, it is becoming a pro a subsidiary of the pro game. It, I mean, it always kind of has been, but it's tied to the program more. It's more of a pro game than it's ever been. And when it comes to the program, you have to make the players happy. You have to do things for yeah. the benefit of the players. You don't have the kind of just unquestionable leverage that you had before where you just, you hold these players entire careers in your hands. You know, one bad word by you, if you're Jim Beheim, can ruin their career. You don't really have that anymore. In fact, 
sometimes that can actually backfire on you now if you don't have the uh, you don't have the clout build built up among you know old people and conservative columnists. Yeah, and I mean that old that old guard of coaches that operate that way, they're going to be they'll all be gone in the next two to four years in my in my estimation. Coach K's on his last legs now. Williams is gone. Izzo's not going to Izzo's not going to be on much longer, and Bayheim won't either. Um, those guys will all be gone. You're, you're not going to see many young coaches who rely on constant shouting the tough love model who make it anymore. They're already kind of a dying breed. Um, and so that's, I think that's the mindset that most athletic directors are going to approach their hires now is you need a guy who gets along with his players. I think you're going to see more former high level players step into coaching roles because they know they have the mindset of what they needed to succeed, what they, what they've seen their teammates need to succeed from the player's perspective. Um, and I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I mean, honestly, from an objective standpoint, fewer tyrannical dudes in college coaching is probably a good thing long-term. I don't necessarily think of Tom Izzo that way. Um, and that's mostly informed by what his former players say about him and how many of them do stick around. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I think the Rod Woodson hire is modeled heavily after Jawan Howard. And I think it's not going to be the first time that we see that. Now you're probably going to see some big swings and misses, but I don't think athletic directors are going to be bothered by that as much because with this freedom of movement, the plus side of that is if your coach bombs out, you can expect the new guy to turn things around much quicker. You don't have to, you don't have to listen to some guy who says, look, I need three years to get all my guys in here. I got to start recruiting guys who are in 10th grade. Now, no, you go out and find some of the thousand players who are going to transfer every year and you make this work next season. And if I'm an athletic director, I'd much rather miss in that direction than in the other direction where, you know, you had no idea what the game was like. You hired an anachronism of a coach. What would you <laughs> say you do here? Right. I don't want to have a tough conversation. I want to be able to say, look, man, this guy fit the mold of the kind of modern basketball coach that we're looking for that understands what today's game is. It didn't work out. That's a much easier conversation to have than. Oh, I hired Mike Rice from uh, the former Rutgers coach, and he chucked basketballs at our players. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was interviewing him, and he looked so mad just sitting there that he almost burst a blood vessel. But I gave him the job anyway. Yeah, that's a hard thing to explain. And so well, there's no guarantee that Woodson is going to work out. But again, he's got a ton of talent to work with, and. After this year, Indiana is still a very easy place to win. There's still a lot of inherent advantages there that a lot of other programs just don't have. So his odds of success are certainly better than a couple of the other new coaches we've talked about this offseason. I think Brad Underwood and Brett Bielema need to get together and realize that they need to jointly use weed therapeutically for very different reasons. And we need a broadcast of that. That does seem like it would be a, an interesting bong rotation. I'm not going to lie. How many hits in a row do you think Bielema takes before he passes? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good. I mean, certainly more than would be polite. Like that's like, the one thing you can be sure of like four probably. Right. Yeah. Five, yeah. Yeah. Not a gen. Yeah. Not a generous. No, he, he, what he does is he, he wait like, then he talks long enough for like the flame to go out, but like it seems like all of the embers have gone out, but then he takes such a big rip that it all lights up again. And you're like, okay, I'm not that, I guess it didn't all go out. 
Uh, yeah, at some point we'll have to, now that we've got, there's enough new coaches. I think it's been, I think at some point we did our power ranking of coaches you would want to smoke with. It's been long enough. A lot of guys, new guys have cycled in. We may have to revisit that sometime soon, but anyway, there you have it folks. Indiana basketball really ought to be back in the top five or so in the conference, in my opinion, based on talent. We'll see how this plays out again. Last year was weird. Good luck projecting. They got a lot of talent. It's probably going to work. It'll be an interesting barometer as far as what you can expect out of them from the future, because, you know, you, you, you never know what kind of a talent you're going to be able to assemble year to year these days now. So um, if he can build something with what, with what he's got to work with here, which is a talented group, but not necessarily a complete group that bodes pretty well for the immediate future. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!